Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Yeah. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. We in Outshine. Bitcoins, we got them. Acquire, never sell. But catch us rolling deep like Adele. Bitcoin, blockchains, cryptocurrencies. Three guys faded talking Bitcoin, no fee. That's the free Bitcoin podcast, insane. And adoption is still the only thing, thing, thing that matters, man. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the flagship show of the Bitcoin Podcast Network. This is episode 192, and I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, Demetric Lamar. Host number three, Dr. Petty. And uh, hey-o. Hey-o. today we have some sweet guests. We have two guests on the roundtable today, uh, Trek and Taylor from hey-o. My Crypto. Why don't y'all uh, say what's up, Trek? Where do you where do you come from? Um. Okay. So originally, I'm out of um, Brooklyn, New York, where I'm actually up now, dealing with family stuff and then trying to work out some um, business stuff for this project that I'm working on, which I'll get into later on. Um, but I'm actually down in um, Baltimore now, and I just kind of run around uh, a lot of different places in regards to meetups and trying to get out to the conferences. And just let me say, Taylor, I, I did mention to the guys earlier when Taylor um, told me, he was like, oh, yeah, and you know, Taylor's going to be, I was like, wait, what? Like, no way. Like, honestly, I, I started following you on Twitter and stuff, and I started following you on Medium, and it was just like, are you for real? Like, I'm actually going to be in a conversation? <laughs> I've been in the space for a while, and I'm sorry I'm ranting, Corey, but um, I didn't get on the techie side of it until really recently. So I'm like, now it's the whole, you know, looking to learn solidity and looking to learn the programming language for actually making a blockchain. And I feel like people of your caliber and like Corey's caliber and even D and Arcello's caliber, it's like, wow, like it, to go from just being somebody who's off on the shadows in the side, just, you know, being a hodler to now having conversations with people who are noted personalities in the space, it's just like, I wouldn't have seen it happening. Honestly, and thanks for um, in, including me in this uh, conversation, guys. Well, thanks for, for that boosty sure. interview, man. Yeah. yeah. I can, I like, go. feel my head growing right now. Like <laughs> <laughs> The boozy thing, you know, it happened on the fly. It literally happened on the fly. Oh, yeah. For those that don't know, Trek was responsible for getting the interview with Lil Boosie. He stepped yeah, in. Mind you, I didn't shake his hand. I didn't get to say hi. Like, Boozy don't even know I'm in the equation at all. <laughs> but, yeah, it happened. Um, so. Well, thank you for that boost. Good to know that we are, um, uh, we can boost people like that. That's good. That's good <laughs> for morning. So um, the compliment, D. Oh, yeah. I'm accepting it. I'd be blushing, uh, but you can't see it. You know what I'm going you know through. <laughs> it's because you're black. <laughs> I um, think am I the one with the least pigment in this? In no, this Taylor, we're we're probably about the same. I got ginger oh, hair too, yeah. so I win. Yeah, you probably do win. 
Well, at least I got some sunshine too, so I got like a fake little tan going on. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's talk about Bitcoin stuff, um, which is oh. something we do rarely now. Bitcoin <clears throat> podcast. No, I'm kidding. Um, we just jump around topics, but um, I want to talk about like this this recent bearish market. It's been pretty bearish for people, a lot of people. Um, I think this mm-hmm. is. I think that these swings that we go through are expected if you've been into cryptocurrency for a really long time. But everyone that got in last year and then saw the immediate benefits, right? Because there were a lot of people last year that did a lot of dumb things and thought they were going to be stupid rich for life. Um, But now, you know, all those people that we read about that that took out – extra mortgages to buy at 17,000 and took out loans to buy at 18,000. And and now they're looking at their net worth and they're a little scared. Um, There's a lot of people that did that. And there's a lot of people that maybe didn't necessarily take out loans, but um, they're looking at their net worth and it's not, it's not making their heart feel good. So I wanted to like, maybe at all, maybe, maybe you haven't, if you just got in this last year, but for us, we, this is like our sixth greater than 40%, 50% drop, you know, so we're weathered at this point, we've got battle scars. So maybe we can all elaborate on what are some of the emotions you go through when a market's doing what it's doing like it is right now. I don't think it's slowing anything down because there's a report saying that there's an influx of college students using their college loans to buy crypto. So I don't think it's, necessarily deterring people away from digging a deeper hole college kids doing dumb college kids shit never ends (laughs) i don't know like for me i don't know see i just don't watch the markets that much so for me i'm like looking at the price right now like damn i can't believe it it didn't go down more because i kind of skipped looking at the prices for so long like i'm looking at this like this time last year, we were at $10 for maybe $20 for ETH. I don't even know. Bitcoin was what, like 1000 Yeah, a little over 1000 Like 1025 somewhere in there. Was... Yeah, I mean, like for me, it's just if you keep building the shit, if you keep sharing the love, you keep making the space better, it'll go up. You know, but don't let the little... I mean, or the big, I guess, <laughs> the big ups and downs and the swings, like dominate your life, uh, and just like hold longer if you're if you're in a hole. <laughs> I think that was. Okay. I don't. I don't want to. I don't. I don't like spreading the hold no matter what mentality, depending on what circumstance you're in. Like, but I, I definitely follow along what Taylor's saying in terms of like in the beginning, I spent a tremendous amount of time staring at charts, trying to see what my net worth was doing, or like what my what my crypto investment was doing and it was amazing to do i tried to trade the market to try and optimize it but that just took too much time out of my day and it moved towards me and like almost like too much worry too much mental capacity of what i was trying to do for the day and i found that over time if i just focused on what the like how the tech worked get better and better and better understanding of what this thing's trying to do and what potential it has in the future, that gave me a much better, I guess, confidence on the overall potential performance of what I invested. I don't have to 
look at short-term money movements to try and figure out whether or not what I did was a good idea. If I understand where I put my money and what its potential is and how it's going, then I don't have really have to worry about where I put my money and I'm better off in terms of my understanding. So it's like all in all, like where I put my time and mental capacity isn't tied to a short term, like because month after month is relatively short term money movement. Yeah, it definitely, I mean, especially if you're a trader, that's like, it's like a full-time job, but it's also with the amount of volatility in the market, it's like a very, very stressful, disheartening, um, like overwhelming job. You know, my husband was trading for a little bit and it was like disconcerting for me to watch because he was always the one with the, like the normal sleep cycle. He was the one that like went to bed when I didn't and got up at a normal hour when I didn't. And to watch him like, you know, when I would get in bed at like 3 a.m. or whatever, I'd get in bed and he'd be like checking the markets or I'd hear his little uh, trading alert thingy go off about some movement here, some movement there. And I was like, damn, this is, I was like, I don't know if this is healthy. And he's like, well, you're not sleeping either. And I was like, well truth <laughs> like you know <laughs> like you got me there but at the same time I felt like I was building something for the long term and and building something that was going to have a lasting impact uh rather than something like trading where it's really fickle and it's really such a short term um you know like if you stay up all night watching the markets you're not really going to get that benefit you know, next year or, you know, two years from now or five years from now. So I don't know. I'm not a big fan of, of like the trading and the watching the markets. I think it's far too, like it, it's just all consuming and, and can be really, really depressing and, and probably fuck with people's heads pretty hardcore. That's true. But at the same time, somebody's got to do it. That's true. So <laughs> hats off to traders because without them, no one's making that market. You know, no, no one's making that market. So yeah. So see, and I'm not a huge like I'm just not in the money side of this as much as probably you guys are or you guys have seen. But you know, when we talk about like making the market and we talk about who's kind of dominating and controlling where where the money is going or how the market is controlled or whatever, are these average people? Are these like people like my husband? Or are these people like I don't know? Is there like quote unquote institutional money? but it's not institutions. It's like crypto institutions or something. Okay. Like whales uh, or. Uh, I jump in on this one. So, all right. From my perspective, um, like I said, I've been in a couple of years now. Right. And I never used to pay attention to um, the market as much as I've done in like the last year. Uh, so, like, I was around for Mt. Gox, but I wasn't paying attention to the market because I wasn't doing what I'm doing now. Uh, so, like, when people re- reference Mt. Gox, it's like, well, I wasn't dealing and trading. I was just hodling the whole time. And I share um, Corey's sentiment about how to look at um, <clears throat> the various platforms and who has a token or altcoin or whatever. And it's like, well, what's your technology base? And that's how I wrap my head around, like, do I want to deal with this thing? And I only really came towards that thought process um, in like the last year and change. And now, mind you, 
I left the W2 realm to jump into this, like, two feet head first. So now, and this is a lesson, like, I'm relearning on the end of, I look at the market, and it's just one of those, like, oh, like, man, this is really bad right now. So case in point, last week I had a family situation. I needed X amount of money really fast, and it was like, well, this is what it is. I'm going to just sell off at a loss and take care of my family situation. Um, it wasn't an option to be like, well, I'm a hot on no matter what. Like, no. Oh, yeah. The situation comes first. So yeah. yep. luckily enough for me, I had taken stake in things early enough to where um, even though it was at a loss, I was still higher up than when I got in. And this isn't me saying I'm balling. Not balling at all. Like, <laughs> so far from. But I was still able to take care of my family situation. I'm still able to pay my mortgage. Um, but I'm learning that lesson again of, like, remembering why I, I take stake in the things I do. It's not about the... For, for me, like, money, I get, you know, you need to pay bills. Um, you, you have to, you know, take care of your day-to-day expenses and stuff but it's the tech like do i get what it does what it's supposed to do or like where it's at right now or where it's gonna go and that and this is what i try to tell people when people you know always oh you know how much is this thing or like what's the value i'm like honestly like i had to relearn that lesson like it's gonna have a value but i'm not necessarily worried about that part of it is it enough for me to take care of my day-to-day stuff then I'm good on that part. I'm more concerned about the tech mm-hmm. part of it. And that's how I calm myself down when now that I pay more attention to what's going on in the market, but I don't look to react. Like, I don't go, oh, well, let me just start selling this thing off. Let me start selling that. If anything, if I can deal with it and I can cost averages on, on getting some more of whatever, like a very or a populace or whatever, then I'll do it. If not, then, all right, it is what it is. So now I'm going to miss out on this dip, case in point. I missed that on the under eight dip and that's just what it is. Like, but I'm not, the money is not my motivational factor, which is what I'm finding as a difference between the people that have come in in like 2017 X amount of the 2016 people, but like the 2017 and on, I, I find there's a shift in the ideology, the mentality, and just like the, the motivation on why they're in and mm. um, like I've, I've spoken with you guys a little bit about it, and I'm noticing it more because now I'm going to different city meetups and going in different states. So my conversations are a lot more expansive across the community, and it's just those little things that I see now. It's like, oh, okay, so when did you get in? Like, I had a dude check me at a meetup the other day, but he was like, well, you're not a millionaire? And it's just like, <laughs> no. Because I, I said, like, I've been in for a couple of years. And he's like, yeah, you know, I got in in, like, August. And, like, I made this amount of money. And then I was able to pull out, like, 20K and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm just like, okay, so you're about the money. And then when I thought, when I started throwing out the scenario of, like, so where's your, your, your bottom line of, like, I won't buy this? Because, of course, we got to the ripple um, part of the conversation. And I'm like, nah, I just don't agree with them on, you know, my ideology and stuff like that. I say to people, I'm Andresian in my school of thought after Andres Antonopoulos. I get he doesn't like to be the figurehead of the space, but 
I find I'm more within the line with his thoughts on things. Doesn't like the figurehead? His head is his logo. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He argues the whole thing about like not being, you know. Um, Trick, you're coming in quiet a little bit. You want to talk in the mic a little more? Yeah, a little bit. All right, sorry. I mean, but. But I should, no, yeah. that's, that's real talk, though. That's I like that. And the thing is, is that, like, I mean, that's the that's the shift that I've seen with our users is is that, you know, a lot of the decisions that we're making right now about user experience and design and the interface and all that is, okay, how do we capture these people that really did come in in the last six months to a year, uh, only care about the money, don't care about the tech, don't want to learn about the tech, you know, et cetera, et cetera. How do we capture them and still enable them to safely like have their keys in their control? Um, and, you know, I was at like three conferences in the last two weeks. Uh, and most people have told me like, um, yeah, you may not be able to do that. Like custody solutions may be the best for them. And, you know, that's just like, like the shift, the real, real hardcore shift that we've seen over the last year in terms of why people are in this space um, is really interesting to me. But it also is kind of like a challenge to me. Like, how can we make these people that got in for the money are probably hurting pretty bad right now? Uh, how do we make them see the tech and see the potential and see the um, like see what we're all in this for, right? And we do though. Hmm? I thought I this I is the way I. Uh, Go ahead. Dude. I think that um, I think very few people are going to see the tech, and that's just the way to. I think like everybody can't be a mechanic, or everybody be a mechanic. <laughs> you know, like if I get, we're all five here. We're probably above average uh, intelligence. Like we 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 can read well. We graduated from the schools. We do, we've done the things. You give us a diagram of a carburetor, and it's going to look like an alien language. Dude, right. can I tell just... you a story real quick? Yeah, go for it. All right, so we have this gate, right, for where, like, it, the gate opens, and then we have the driveway, and then we have the garage. Mm -hmm. And the gate was not working. Like, you could press the button, and it would light up, and it would act like it's working, but it's not. And I freaking took the cover off of that. I found some stupid-ass diagram on the Internet, like some install guide, and I fixed the freaking gate, like the hardware of the fucking gate. <laughs> And I was so proud of myself. You have no yeah, idea. Like, and what D is saying is that not everybody can do that. Not everybody I was, can. That was like a fluke, though. <laughs> Straight up. But I'm just like, I'm so proud of myself for doing that and not having to call <laughs> some guy to come fix this gate. And then, kudos. So what, what I'm saying is, like, not everybody is willing to do that. If everybody right, was well, willing if to it do was, that. If then. it was a car, I'd be screwed. The car would be dead right now. <laughs> Well, I mean, Taylor, in your latest presentation, you, you know, you brought upon the slide with the technology adoption curve. I mean, the, and that dot is still what in the, in the early adopter phase. I mean, oh, yeah. I think if we're, so. yeah, if we're still in the early adopter phase, what kind of people are we going to attract the builders or the holders? The community this is the way the less prosperous. This is the way I see it. I mean, I, I, and I'm going to go back to that same viewpoint that I always kind of talk about. And that's like, how easy it is to do and in the earlier days before i'd say i'd say before 2017 it was the technology was too hard to use so the only people that could get in were the people who were savvy to the technology they then and so their the ideology was typically moved towards like what the you know build the buildle 
mentality is. Like, it wasn't for the money because they had to have the technological savvy that usually aligned with the, the build mentality. And as we created more and more infrastructure, it became more and more easy to use. Services like MyCrypto came into play that allowed people to do things at a website in the safe way. Coinbase blew up and became you know, really, really easy to use. We, had, we lowered the barrier of entry, which allowed people with different ideology to jump in in mass, which is what we saw basically in 2017. The ICO craze happened because the barrier to create a token on the Ethereum network was lowered, and people who didn't understand how to make complicated smart contracts could make tokens and do ICOs. And we've gone kind of full swing in the new users and what their ideology is. And so this, the, the, the whole last year, the good portion of them was people who got into it because they now could and they wanted to make money off of it because they saw how much money all of the tech-savvy people had made that got into it earlier because they were technically savvy enough to do so. And now we have, it's, 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 you know, it's a big mixture. But the more and more and more and more we lower that barrier, the more and more types of people who aren't going to give a shit are going to come in. But that doesn't mean the types of people who do aren't coming in. It's just they're the ones that are loud because they're so excited. But the problem is that we have to protect the people who don't understand or else they're going to lose money. And a lot of them will lose money. So the technology still isn't good enough to be used on an everyday basis, but it's easy enough to at least get in and dip your toe. Some people are going to be idiots and jump full clip in and take out mortgages, but we can't. We can't assume that's going to be everybody. We kind of have to just keep moving forward. And, you know, if you oh, think no. about the pendulum swifts, it'll just go. It's going, to, it's going to come in the middle sometime. That's a special okay. kind of stupid that we're talking about, Corey. That's a <laughs> yeah, we can't, we can't build for those people. We can't, we can't, they can't be the average show, and that's what we talk about. Yeah. But is yeah, there, Taylor, is there a difference in your inbox from when Ethereum was 1400 to where it is now? The amount of people uh, that write in? difference like not not really but the types so the types of questions that we used to get like over the summer were all about these tokens and so a lot of people do attribute like what we built at at my ether wallet and now my crypto to sort of helping or enabling people that may not be as technically savvy to get in successfully but i think the driving force behind these was actually all of these all of these different ICOs, just like gung ho promoting the heck out of everyone, um, and and their Facebook ads and the Twitter ads and the Google ads and the the Bitcoin talk and the I don't even know the Telegram groups, like all of these different channels that we hadn't seen before. Um, today, most of the questions that we get in the support box are more um, there. It's a better sort of well-rounded mixture because for a while there was literally like. Either I'm trying to get into this ICO and I can't, or I think I may have gotten in this ICO, but I can't, or I want to get in this ICO next week. How do I do that without failing? Or now that I got into this ICO, what the heck do I do with this token? Um, or, you know, I've lost my private key or my password or, you know, those types of things. So that's sort of the shift that we've seen is that everything was really, really surrounding these, these ICOs and these tokens. And now it's more, um, 
more the questions that we get are more about like you know the basics like how do i send what is gas uh why didn't my transaction get mined if like the network's overwhelmed or whatever um those sorts of things and i think that's a good thing i think the ico madness calming down is like really 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 important because i think for a while there um you know like yeah like these sort of edge cases these people that are taking out their mortgages uh to buy more crypto like that's not yeah we we can't necessarily build for just that demographic but also you know the sort of the market and like the forums and the telegram groups and the just the like everything was so like it was very easy for a new person entering the space to feel invincible due to just how the conversation was um and i remember like when i was getting into the space it was like right before mount gox and then i was really starting to read up like after mount gox i mean i saw like the death and destruction of mount gox i saw the loss it was like just it was insane it was it was terrifying it was sad and it's like i think reading people's like own personal stories of like losing a lot a lot of money and having their lives like really dramatically changed for the worse like that stuck with me um but i don't know that people entering the space today have that same like that really that fear right like that actual like deep-seated like this could be this could like i could lose everything and it's not necessarily like saying you know, we should force that down people's throats and we should remind them like, this is risky and you should lose everything. But I think having that in the back of people's heads is uh, a really positive thing, especially if that, uh, if that mentality is the thing that's like singularly keeping them from taking on a second mortgage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can I, let me can I jump in on that one. So um, the article you wrote about the future of, um, Oh, the future of Ethereum doesn't have wallets? Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So, the whole thing of, of what I'm seeing now with the streamline, streamlining, streamlining, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, lowering, <laughs> lowering the entry barrier, right? So, to so, um, Corey's point. So, um, I'm noticing more platforms looking to go that route. So, where you take the um, the Coinbase model, of being the custodian as far as private keys and stuff. And then, um, so what, what's the name of it? Stacks, like what they're doing. So take Coinbase model, being a custodian, um, private key stuff, and then take Acorn as taking your change. Um, and I just wrote something about this too, about how like, so now you don't have to know nothing about an altcoin, a Bitcoin, oh, yeah. blockchain or whatever. And it's just like, well, swipe my card. Boom. I put money into, um, I'm, I'm in Bitcoin. What I'm noticing now is um, the, the platforms are coming up that are doing the streamlining and then it's making a new type of user more because of the lower entry um, barrier to where when you say something like, oh, before, it, two years ago last year, if you say, oh, I'm in crypto, it means um, I'm either a miner, I'm a hodler or a trader. Now, because you have things like... Um, I was talking to a um, um, uh, an uh, asset manager, and she was telling me how she deals with it for her clients through Trade Scott. And I was like, "Wait, Scott what? Trade? Scott Trade? Sorry." And it 
it's it's the old platform of dealing with stocks and ETFs and stuff like that. So as we're going in the conversation, I was like, so are you using a hard wallet? And she was like, I don't know what that is. And then I started to realize, I'm like, oh, wait, you're doing like margin calling stuff. You're doing just exposure to the market and not actually having the crypto for them. And now you combine that with what a Stacks is doing. To me, it would look like, um, and I, I'm jumping around in different thoughts because these are things that I've been thinking about for the last couple of weeks. So um, Saks Fifth by proxy through Circle buys Poloniex. Imagine where Poloniex will be in another, let's say, three to five years where now they backward engineer taking a crypto um, 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 exchange and they bring up the traditional stocks into this environment now and then you kind of switch it around are they really going to trade are you really going to be able to trade actual cryptos or is it just going to be having exposure to derivatives and You're talking about and derivatives, derivatives. Yeah. yeah yeah so like i see that moving in more as far as how like the newer folks are thinking where it's really that money money thing and once again like the platforms are making it easier now to where you don't have to understand the tech. You don't have to um, get what it's going to do. And it goes back to how me and Corey look at it, where the longer, like, I, I would say it this way. If you're really about money, you would be the wiser to look at the technology aspect of it because that's the long money as opposed to what the daily up and down of the chart is. Because that's the short money of it in that, all right, it tanked today and it's like leveling off for the next three months. You're going to sell everything. And then a year from now, it's like 100x and you're like, oh, man, because why? People see the working model. And once people actually see the working model, then it's like, oh, okay, now I get it. AOL is able to let me send emails around the world now. Now I get to Google. I can search anything I want now. And it's right there on my smartphone. Right. Like, that's how I, I see things moving around now. And so when I talk to people who are in our timeline, it's like, um, I, was, I was pointing out to somebody, like, one of the things we do in the community is we'll start telling the stories of how we got in, and then we'll start making jokes and references for how long we've been in. And you can always make that line and cut and understand when somebody's new, new, because they won't get certain jokes or references. And then you're like, like a, oh, okay. You're like an anthropologist, a crypto right now. You're like a real-time <laughs> anthropologist. That's what you're oh, doing true. with your meetup. I like I'm it, though. Like, I like, never thought about I'm, it like that. You're like, un, you're, you're undigging the layers, and we're getting to the deeper people and the people yeah. who've been through this shit storm and that shit storm and that shit storm. And this hey, is what I'm working on on the project that I was telling you about, D. Um, like from the initial from the initial conversation to where I'm at now is a whole another thing, bro. So yeah. um is what is it? It's trekking um cryptos to connect. And it's basically just going to different meetups and different kind of group gatherings and talking to like the founders and um, you know, like why'd you get into crypto? What have you noticed in how your the makeup of your group is? Um, what have you noticed over the time that you started to where you are now and how like has has the has the makeup of your group changed? Has it evolved? Like and what do you think 
is going to be um, the forward direction for for where they are within the space. And like I said, like I'm between New York, DC, Philly, and um, Baltimore and Virginia. And the conversations that I'm a part of in DC are not the same as Baltimore. DC oh is a lot God. more government related. Um, let's just talk about blockchain and we're not worried about crypto. I was in a conversation um, yesterday because I'm a part of an association called the Government Blockchain Association. And they have a working group called the um, Cybersecurity um, Working Group. And I honestly felt like the dumbest person in that particular phone conference because they just started rambling off X amount of, you know, um, um, ideas. And I got most of the conversation, but then when they started throwing in the, the regulatory side of what it means to bring something into DOD, DOE, DOJ, and um, like GSA and all that, and it was just like, wow, I get, I get where they're going. But I understand. A, yes, I understand X amount of the technology that they were talking about in regards to nodes and having it. To, and you know what was funny? For as techie and as like um, involved in government work as as the the group of people were, then there's like five of us. It wasn't until towards the end of the conversation that somebody actually brought up like, hey. This is going to be a combi are we going to try to do a combination of a, a closed and open network? Because, like, if this is going to be a closed network, it defeats the whole purpose because they were talking about using, making a use case of proof of. Um... Don't give their idea away on the air. All right. Yeah. Well, this is this is kind of a this is kind of a, a sign of the times, though, right? These conversations yeah. that we're having uh, and and even going back to what you're talking about with the. Um, like qualifying people based on the, the, the inside jokes that you use and the new people coming in is we've talked a lot about like this is a layered technology. It's, it's, a, it's like it's what developers typically refer to as a stack. And when you invest, you're no longer investing into one part of the stack. You have the infrastructure layer, which is kind of the underlying protocols that enable applications to work. And then you have the applications that are built on top of them. And then maybe even a layer in between them that enables something that enables the scale of the applications that live on top of them. And so more often than not, the people who will end up coming into the space who are going to naively invest in things will often invest, invest in the applications that are built on top of the infrastructure, like the underlying, like, you know, Ethereum protocol or Bitcoin protocol, et cetera. And those are subject to not working out because they haven't been proven yet. And when the, you talk to older people, they're always more aligned, well, typically more aligned with the infrastructure layer, the, you know, Ethereum, Bitcoin, the stuff that has, they only had access to in the early days because we couldn't build decentralized applications in the early days. And so, but that's what, that's what is eventually going to become the background to how everything ends up working. So there will be an application in the application layer, like Facebook, that becomes all pervasive in what everyone uses, that will be enabled by one of the underlying layers, infrastructure layers like Ethereum or, or Bitcoin. But we're not there yet. And so telling people to invest in an application that you can't see has legs yet is really weary. But that's what the people who are using these things like Stacks will probably end up doing because that's the majority of all of the tokens. 
and they don't know the difference between the layers because it's just called a token regardless of what we talk about. And and I think that's also why you see older people more aligned with infrastructures because that's what's been around for a long time, which has we have way more experience with and has a track record of being proven. But it's good that we actually have layers now and we have options and we can talk about these things and we're enabling decentralized applications to actually start to work and be invested in. Mm. I want to... I want to be the British voice in your documentary, Trek, when you're like, over, over there we have a rabid group of Bitcoin cash users, and you can see in their conversation that they are quite vitriolic. I don't know. I just feel like you should have a documentary about the things that you're going to be experiencing while you're hitting the road. Like, but, honestly? Bro, like from and mind you i left i used to be in defense contracting um military i'm actually still in the national guard and all that um but i left that in january and the idea that i had of how i didn't even have this particular idea about this project and you know the trekking um crypto to connect didn't even have that idea but from what i've been going through for like these last two months and just how things have been coming up and and it, honestly, bro, like it's literally the conversations and talking to guys like you and Corey and Taylor. I hope eventually I can have more conversations with you on stuff. Um, but it's just um, been, <laughs> like I said, from what I initially planned, my initial plan was literally just to become a hermit and study solidity <laughs> and learn how to make smart contracts. <laughs> and that was it. And then I was going to knock it out in three months. And then I would start shopping around saying I was a, um, a smart contract developer. And like after a year, I could like actually start doing audits. That was what my initial plan was last year. And, and now you're hitting the road, listening to people <laughs> talk and measuring the conversations against one another. So. But I'm still looking to be the smart contract developer at the core. Like, I, I, on the end of it, um, like Corey saying, being aligned with the technology part of it, like I'm a techie person, I'm a geek, I'm a geek, like, and I have friends who tell me that all the time, like once I start talking about something, and mind you, I don't feel I know that much, like I don't think I'm. Yeah, that, but neither like, do I. Like that's the thing, I go to these freaking conferences and I feel like I'm the stupidest person in the room, and then. You know, I meet, like, students, like, at MIT, we meet students, and they're, like, looking up to me, like, you know, you're the hugest expert, like, you're the smartest person, like, you've been <laughs> in here for so long, and I'm going, like, yo, I'm not, I'm not, like, I'm really, really not, and that's the thing about this space, that it, there's something about it that, I don't know, it kind of screws with people's heads, I think, but yeah. I think it's also just representative of how early it is, and, like, you know, like I say it a lot, but like anyone can be an expert at these at this stage. Like you, you can literally just like dive in and read everything, uh, and like in like three six months, you're probably going to be an expert. Yeah, yeah, but I, you got to uh, put in work. It's it's not one of those things where you just hang well, around and read articles. You yeah. have to put in work. You can't just <laughs> yeah. be well, an expert. I don't even know where you because like for me, it was like Reddit, right? I don't even know where you go these days because I can tell you that I can't even like. I'm a moderator of our Ethereum and I can't even go on there half the days or I'll open it up and then I just close it. And just, just listen to Roger it. Bear. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whatever Roger Bear says. Thank you for joining us again, Hello. 
Cello, what's your opinion, though, man? You, we've, we've all given our opinions and our, our viewpoints on these things, but you very publicly always say, uh, I'm in it for the Lambos and the boats. And uh, You talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking. There's only one person named Cello. <laughs> I'm not about to to give my stance with four builders on the mics. Forget that. I'm outnumbered. I'm not wait, wait, wait. Say I that for another. told you, bro. I'm simple. I just, I just need that... Um... That Genesis, and then you laughed at me when I told you I didn't need a new year model. No, I'm saying like I've never sat next to someone and they said their dream car was the car that I'm currently driving. That was I, yeah. I'm simple, bro. Like, I got a. I'm a simple uh, person. I got what I want. I, I just need functionality, like functionality with like a couple of bells and whistles at a lower price range, like. It, it's not yeah, hard. You can, you can have it. I'm not simple. I need a fleet of Lambos and a castle, so you can have it. All right. Uh, closing thoughts before we get out of here. Trek, Taylor, anything that you want to cover going? that we haven't? going to cut to the interview. Uh, it's, we're running long, so we're probably oh, just going to end okay. that interview. Um, I guess um, I'm Shrek uh, on Twitter. I'm Smart Trekking on Steemit. I am Smart um, – yeah, I'm Smart Trekking. Um, the website is actually called um, TrekSmartConsulting.com, and I'm out and about. And if you have a meetup going on in whatever drivable state from the DMV area, I'm down. Just you gotta give me enough um, out time to figure out the schedule. That's it. Okay. Um... <laughs> Uh, I'm Taylor. I'm on Twitter at, at MyCrypto and then MyCrypto.com. And then you go to the footer of MyCrypto.com. We got all the links to all the social and, and all of that good stuff. And definitely uh, I'm off the road. I'm not traveling anymore. So uh, if you tweet at me or message me or whatever, I'll actually uh, respond now rather than like hiding from my inbox with real life people. And I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can say it or if I'm stepping out of bounds, but the ether cards are coming and they look nice. I might yeah. Be yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. They do. I think they are coming, right? Do you know more yeah. than me? I haven't checked my email in like three weeks. <laughs> me, 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 and Jordan just finalized the designs. So okay. Coming. See, this is why I love Jordan. Just shit. Yeah. Just, just, just. This is the magic of having a team. Shit just happens. Yeah. It is. You're CC'd on it, and I'm just like, hmm, I wonder if Taylor doesn't like my designs. Okay. I know. Uh, I literally. Yeah, I get it. I'm such. Okay. I got to say this. I am an inbox zero person, right? Like in my core, I'm an inbox zero person. Over the last three weeks, because we've been traveling so much, at some point I got to like an inbox 300. And not like inbox 300 of spam, like inbox 300 of shit that I actually respond to, like I need to respond to. I'm. I just like open my email and then I just close it. Hashtag anxiety. (laughs) And then I'm like, I'm like, well, let's go see what's happening on Reddit. And I'm like, oh no, that's bad. Don't go to Reddit. (laughs) Close. And then I'm like, all right, you know, we're at these awesome conferences. We're at ECC. We're at MIT Bitcoin Club. We're up in San Francisco at Token Fest. I was like, yeah, just talking to real people and having these like moments of interaction that. I can talk with them. This is this is where the anxiety, I think, with email comes in. I can have a conversation with someone in real life, a really powerful conversation. 
and then I can like end that conversation and walk away. And like, that's going to be the end of it. Like maybe the thoughts or the ideas or whatever will like be pervasive, but that's the end of it. If I respond to one of these emails, I'm going to get another email back. <laughs> I never thought How of it How do like I that. win? <laughs> Wow. I like there's a new thing you can do called productination and that's you've got so many different fucking things doing you just do one thing so you're productive in one area but everything else is getting procrastinated on I so feel like, terrible you open one inbox and you're like nah fuck that inbox today I'm going to this other inbox <laughs> I'm work over in there um, <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I guess we'll wrap it up. So, you know who Michelle and Corey are. Um, Taylor's joining us, of course, again, guest hosting, regular guest host. We have Trek on, and he will be trekking to connect. That's not what it's really called, but that's how I shortened it for myself. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, D, we're going to do this at the top of the show. I don't know if you knew that. No, I thought we were plugging the sponsors at the top of the show. We got to end the show with telling people what's going on. We got to get them well, excited. We, like we got to end the like show and then throw it to the interview. We got to throw it to the interview. Oh, that's right. <laughs> well, you just said that we... All right. In today's interview, we got coming. We got... Uh, we got... Who's who's coming? All right, people so... From BankX. Yeah, BankX is building a, a new blockchain technology that allows to tokenize... Uh, Assets, like smart assets that could be sold worldwide, building new generation of decentralized capital markets. And we got the, the CEO, Igor Mel. Okay. Hmm. And you guys can't listen to that right now until tomorrow. Here it is. We are here with Igor Kamel from BankX, BankX.com, a fintech company responsible for projects such as App Token, Media Token, Bounty on the blockchain, and they're working on many different use cases. Uh, they're, they're also uh, using the consensus algorithm there at BankX called uh, Proof of Asset. And uh, Igor is here to tell us all about BankX. <laughs> so, hey, Igor, why don't, why don't you? Uh, we like to kind of start most of these interviews off simply with um, kind of allowing you to introduce yourself and then telling us how you got introduced into the entire blockchain space and why you're here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, nice to meet you guys and uh, I'm, I'm happy to be on the, the podcast. So I'm uh, uh, how I got to blockchain. I was uh, I'm Ukrainian, yeah, and then I uh, after studying in the United States, and I was then Stanford Business School. I uh, switched from traditional corporate career to fintech, and that time uh, I already had experience of working for McKinsey. I used to work for Citadel Hachuan, so it was like, and I was a first degree in physics. So I have like good combination of financial and IT background. So that's why FinTech was quite natural for me. And uh, I uh, started to, after business school, to, uh, to run a couple of companies, startups and uh, social micropayments uh, area and hang out for some time in Bay Area for that reason. So I was raising money there. And I consulted uh, as a part-time job. I consulted BBVA Innovations, which is innovation house of BBVA Bank. Uh, and uh, basically, and this kind of uh, get me 
uh, understanding how was the problems the bank see. And in some moment, I decided to switch and uh, go to work for the banks for a while. So I haven't raised too much money in my company. Uh, so I, uh, I decided it's more efficient. I come back uh, to Russia where, where I started and uh, pitched top five banks there with the idea of creating an innovation lab. And I, I, I was inspired by experience of uh, of um, uh, Capital One Lab. I met them on South by Southwest at the time in Chicago, sorry, in uh, Austin. So I came back to Russia and I pitched top five bankers. It was uh, the CEOs and owners of the biggest banks there. And I got the deal with uh, Sberbank, which is the biggest one. And uh, this is where I started to run Innovation Lab. I hired engineers. We made a lot of pilots. We uh, get uh, most of our uh, studies were around big data at the time, which was uh, 2012 to 2015. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, we bought the company that just did a programmatic buying, uh, real-time bidding, and um, built the data management platform on the bank side and connected uh, uh, card-linked data to uh, clickstream data and make card-linked offers depending on the clickstream and the shout of the JASIC online display ads based on the click, uh, based on the payment data, so both things. And finally, uh, sold half of this company to the biggest telecom company back in Russia. And now this is kind of the company that is the data player that combines both banking, the biggest bank and the biggest telecom data together. So this, is, this was kind of experience that I was going through. And uh, they gave me to meet a lot of good engineers back there in Moscow, St. Petersburg. And in uh, some moment when my contract was over, I had three contracts, so I decided to leave and to build uh, my own stuff and my own kind of innovation lab and uh, to sell, uh, to make the companies and fintech products that uh, will be uh, acquired by banks. So I wanted to make a products to sell to banks. And the, all this was built on a bank as a service model. So in some moment, I was a, uh, I was an, one of the judges of the FMA Association, this association for top banks of outside of ES. There are 3,000 banks there. And they had the competition for innovation awards. I was one of the judges there from, uh, from 30, from all over the world. I was one of from Russia. So, um, so I, I, I got it. What's, what's the European, what's Australian, what's Japanese, what's uh, Russian banks need. And we started to build it. We started from KYC service, now we're a customer. So it was kind of Uber for financial representatives or so distance uh, delivery of the card to you and open an account by, uh, by the people who are not bank employees. And uh, uh, so it was 2016, and uh, basically by uh, end of 2016, we explored the whole like crypto was growing, and we understand that it's better to switch the technology to blockchain, and uh, and uh, basically to raise capital through token sale for that, for the and uh, the tokens going to be uh, sorry, and we understand that it's better basically to push banks not to buy companies but to buy tokens. I want them to buy tokens in order to use our platform and uh, to uh, to explore uh, new products uh, based on back as a service model. So we wanted them to use tokens in order to have this distance QIC. And finally, we end up that the biggest, uh, the most interesting opportunity and the most interesting products for us, for our uh, platform, it's uh, uh, structured finance and a new type of assets. 
So the, the, the most powerful thing when we apply the, our, our approach and technology to making new capital products and uh, give them to banks, to their clients. So this is how we come up to blockchain. So finally, we made the token sale. We raised 72,000 ether back, back on the last December. And right now, we have clients, most of our clients in the US. So we have a big, few big clients in Japan. We have the big study starting in Hong Kong and uh, Seoul. All right. That's a lot to take in. And I just, let's try to break down little by little. So okay. I'm a little unfamiliar with the term bank as a service, and I just need some clarity for that because yeah, yeah. I, I think a bank is a service so how do i have a bank as yeah, a you probably know SaaS, yeah software as a service concept uh, so uh bank as a service is similar it means that uh you uh, we you can as uh, for instance um, uh, this phenomenon came from germany so in germany they have uh, the whole culture of uh, api banking api germany and then later uk and uh, these guys, the regulation is changing there, so they kind of making the new. Uh, so they 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 have, for instance, uh, the bank named Salaris in Germany, and uh, Salaris is uh, in the business of providing uh, the banking license solutions to e-commerce. So any e-commerce can issue the card, credit card, and this credit card will be backed by Salaris. It's a little bit similar to US one, I think it's named uh, Bancorp. So it's uh, the company that is making white label kind of cards. So this means like when you, while you're not bank, but you can uh, basically get a bank service uh, from bank institution and uh, sell this as your service. Or if you're a bank, you can make a, get a IT service from us, like a last mile of delivery of cards or new product and sell this under your license. So somebody has the license and other, other guys has the product and third guys has the client. So when they come all together, it becomes complete bank service. So in, in, the, in, this, uh, in this model, we are providing the technology on the back. So do you see, do you see um, blockchain as a better infrastructure for providing these platforms? Like it's the foundational layer for you to more efficiently provide these types of services and that's why you've chosen to use it? Or was it was it more along the lines of this is a great way to get started into something that I'm already doing because it's it's so kind of maybe, I don't want to say trendy, but the potential's there. Like how, how, what, what makes blockchain good for all of this for what you're trying to do for banks? Uh, so traditionally, fintech is very regional. So uh, it's difficult for fintech companies to scale outside of country or even states, yeah, like in the US, because of because of the rules, because of the regulation. It's very reg regulation, regulatory, uh, heavy business. And uh, like, let's say, so I, I talked to one of my classmates in Stanford. They were co-founder of Sofi. Sofi had student loans. So got, those guys, they go on state by state and they kind of hiring lawyers in order to get uh, to be compliant with each state regulation. And it's just United States. If you go with the same model to Europe to basically have go country by country. So it's so much uh, lawyers overhead and so heavy that it makes like uh, makes sense for the big financial companies to start only a couple of countries. Otherwise, they will never break through. 
So uh, this makes sense to start from United States, uh, from China and from United Kingdom. That's all. So like uh, uh, otherwise, like Germany maybe, but I mean, no way from Eastern Europe where I'm from. So, uh, and uh, that's why traditional FinTech will never go through like in the global scale, like if they start from outside of the main markets. Uh, and the blockchain, this is what brings to fintech kind of global approach. So blockchain is uh, make it separate regulation questions from uh, fintech products. And the, and the whole crypto economy, it's uh, very cool because uh, basically you can basically, uh, like in the simple version, you don't have the borders. Yeah, of course, you like want to be compliant. You start to kind of to be compliant with the main regulations. So it's the US, and then you find out that you have all sorts of clients in another country. But like uh, it's it makes much easier for fintech to scale, and you can uh, validate your ideas. You can find the market, and then if you invest the money now, wh why you're doing that? Because you already have the market there. So yeah, so blockchain is a big it makes big big difference, and uh, and the crypto as well makes a big difference in fintech. And uh, and the second reason was basically when you just go and deeply in blockchain, so and see why what's problem it solves. You find out that is uh, basically that there there are two beautiful things like especially for uh, for, for our market. One is decreasing uh, the uh, decreasing the cost and uh, the barrier to uh, the cost of lawyers and the cost of overheads, lawyers, accounting, compliance, trustees, escrow. Uh, so all this overheads that is required by structured uh, by structured finance product, products. And uh, and second, it's working with the assets that are decentralized, so distributed. So you don't want to have one place where everything is bought. You can work with many places where you have the similar assets. So and uh, th those two things they open the whole new world for the assets. You can basically imagine like so many things that you will you would never even before thinking as the asset. So people's time, like Uber. Uber is basically recognizing the people's time. Like uh, bloggers, like unique blogger with his small blog, he can become part of this big portfolio, like in our Instagram you know, media token, and uh, raise money, like as a part of uh, together with other bloggers. And uh, this could become like uh, the finally, this could become even the bond and similar to mortgage security. So it's cool, yeah. So it's uh, very, very a lot of new things can go on. So if you could. Please uh, kind of outline for for our listeners, like what is proof of assets? So I, th I think everybody's pretty well familiar with proof of work and uh, proof of stake, but proof mm -hmm. of assets is, is a little new. So could you kind of outline what that is and how that consistent algorithm works with BankX? Yeah, proof of asset, it's uh, basically, it's better to uh, connect with the idea of the gold standard. So probably everybody is, uh, most of the people should uh, probably aware of this. So like historically, like uh, the dollar and many currencies, they were uh, based on their some real stuff. And the people understand that this is, they can buy either buy this kind of note, by this piece of paper, or they have, or it means the same, uh, like some amount of gold that is in the bank. And any moment they can basically exchange that thing. So this this builds people trust in the currency. And uh, proof of asset, it's built basically, uh, yeah, and this kind of trust was uh, very 
uh, it's disappeared from the main market, from mortgage securities, from the mortgage during the recent crisis, more when the mortgage-backed uh, crisis, subprime mortgage-backed crisis, and you probably uh, see the movie Big Short. So all the all those things they 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 kill the trust. And uh, proof of assets, it's uh, the kind of uh, using blockchain to reestablish this trust. So we establish this trust in uh, in the uh, securities, in and we're creating new type of securities that will have uh, the real asset that can be proven based on the blockchain technologies. So basically, our goal is anybody who wants can check what's going on behind those securities, behind the tokens. So our belief that our tokens, in terms of like audit and in terms of like proof, proven value, they are better than the securities that right now on the market. I see what you're saying there. That's a that's quite important to be able for any any entity holding large amounts of money to be able to prove that they are solvent with that amount of money, so anybody using those platforms can can be sure that if they use them, that they can get their money out eventually. I'm something you mentioned that is, um, in my opinion, the most the largest elephant in the room amongst all of these things is scale. And you wanted to do these things not like not only for the decentralization and cross-border um, components of blockchain, but because of scale. And um, BankX was one of the first, if not the first, to put out an implementation, or at least a na- naive implementation, of Plasma, and to push forward the idea of of um, Plasma on Ethereum. Can you talk about that a bit and how? What motivated you to do this? Why you need to do it, and why maybe the entire ecosystem needs something like Plasma? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Uh, so the, the bank itself is not a blockchain; it's agnostic platform, so application layer. And we uh, decided one moment, like strategically, to be bet on Ethereum because Ethereum got the biggest traction beyond uh, among corporate institutions and banks, in particular. So there is uh, like many, many banks who support in this, the things who are building the contracts. It also has this uh, smart contract capability with uh, that enables to build escrow. So basically it's a good to write financial contracts. The language is good to write financial contracts on blockchain. And um, uh, so that's why we just, uh, we started to do that. And then of course we, we see all the limitations that Ethereum has. Uh, until like recently, at least. So there is a, the scalability is one of them. There are a few things to solve it. It's Casper, it's Plasma. So we, uh, I met personally uh, Vitalik Buterin like in Shanghai at that moment we connected and I, I talked to him and uh, we agreed like that we're gonna become one of, so I offered him a, uh, to become uh, one of adapters of Plasma because we need this for our product. Uh, why we need this for our product? Because we want uh, to have commercial adoption of Ethereum and we want uh, banks uh, to build uh, something uh, on Ethereum. And particularly we need to create, uh, the, the, the particular case is creating the exchanges within the banks where the people are able to trade their like small assets. So some people come with the assets, other people come with the money. Both of them are bank clients and they start, start to trade to each other within the banks. Uh, for instance, somebody get tokenized their apartments and other guys decided to buy these tokens. And uh, uh, 
so this is this is the kind of situation that just could be kind of completely controlled by by bank and uh, all the participants are trusted uh, and uh, they go for the bank UIC and uh, they what they need the banks have very high uh, requirements in terms of SLA service level agreement it's uh, IT mm-hmm. and uh, uh, these requirements are much higher than uh, any other industry so they uh, and uh, it's uh, like from from consumer behavior is you it's easy to kill the new habit if you will hard this SLA if you make some new things and they will not go through like once per ten times done so your habit will not create it even if it was to so because the people become pissed off and many of them left and then the market lose liquidity so you you need to really take care about this SLA. And uh, that's why the banks, uh, and also it's required from uh, central bank financial institutions. So for all those reasons, the banks have SLA, which is usually 99.6%. In some services, 99.9%. So the service should never will go down. That's why the banks have very expensive infrastructure. They have a replicated. They have the same thing two or three times, like in terms of data backup, in terms of uh, ATM availability and all those things. So that's why, like, uh, pretty much Ethereum as it, as it was right now, it's not ready for making the commercial implementation. And uh, the plasma, this one of the things that we can really change it and make it easier, more reliable, scalable solution for using smart contracts like on Ethereum. I kind of, I kind of see this technology. I've been a, I've been a big proprietor, not proprietor, but a backer or. I don't know what the word is. I'm excited Enthusi- about plasma. Enthusiasts, enthusiasts of plasma since since the initial white paper, and I see it as a link to services like banks who have very specific types of constraints and how they interact with each other. Being able to use blockchain technology in a private setting, while also linking to the main chain, which enables not only massive scale in this sense, but also communication with, with private party to private party using the main yeah. Ethereum blockchain as the intermediary. Is that kind of the vision you see as well and why you are moving after it? Because you need that scale, but you also, like you said, have very specific constraints that the main Ethereum blockchain isn't good for, but you still need that trust anchor. Yeah, so... Uh, uh, you're completely right. Yeah. By the way, we got the first plasma kind of uh, request from Vitalik just in the text file for email. <laughs> like we written one page, like probably between the conferences and the flight. Yeah, on a napkin or something. <laughs> it was fun. I missed his email first, and they found out like randomly after three days in my mailbox. <laughs> Vitalik wrote me this thing. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> hope you have it saved that's something you should put on the wall <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so this is um you're completely right so like when we when we're doing if you're just trying to sell anything to banks the problem with the banks they do not collaborate and it's very difficult to get in one room a couple of banks to see and negotiate on something it's impossible only if uh, it will happen usually uh, like in the for instance in the room of regulator of somebody institution that uh, like a union or conference or some independent third party, uh, like some authority. So uh, it's uh, really happened when one bank come to another bank in order to make a deal or something like that, because those guys basically, they completely 
separate and they they kind of uh, don't trust each other so this is the reality and uh, uh, so uh, so there are like very strict protocols how they kind of can interact so if they transfer money to each other there is the way they have to uh, the they open the credit line and they have to build the trust how they uh, what's the volume what's the limit and so it's not unlimited even like between the biggest bank they understand if the situation with like, like one bank becomes like not so good then those limits will shut down immediately this is what happens with Lehman Brothers I mean like and, uh, and no, nobody is kind of insured against that and um, uh, so that's why uh, our our cell our bank as a service think and the tokenization first of all we want them to use this internally uh as a banks and then in some so that's why it's going to be independent private blockchain that is uh, uh run internally in the bank and in some moment uh they hopefully will uh, be comfortable with that and will open and connect the, those private blockchain to each other and this moment this private blockchain will become part of public blockchain uh, and even before that uh because the banks are so slow in adoption so we don't wait for that. That's why we started to build the services ourselves and use the more flexible bro players and brokers. Some licensing uh, sponsor for applying for, we're going to apply for the license ourselves. So basically we started to do their job. So we <laughs> <laughs> because it's too long for wait. I, I, I'm sure they will be there, but uh, they have to because nobody will, from the banks want to be the first one. They want to see the traction. They want to see that it's proven, it's reliable, and then they will come. So that's why right now we are not in the stage of like a commercial lot. We only make some pilots uh, like with some banks uh, and not the major one. But there is some interest, especially in Asia. Asian banks, they are more, like more easygoing on these terms than the U.S. So you saw this SBI group like uh, pilots with uh, Ripple. This is this is exactly the case. Yeah. And uh, like uh, before the banks, it's much easier to make deals with hedge funds and uh, asset owners. So the guys who really need this for the job. So I got I got a question. Sorry, we keep making you jump back and forth, but I'm I'm really excited about this Internet of Things project that you're working on because um, for like the better part of a year, Corey, you could probably back me up. I've been talking about there needing to be some sort of physical interaction with this technology mm -hmm. um you know whether it's a way you interact with something on the web on the web page or a little device but i look into your internet of things project and it looks like you're working on a little device you know that kind of helps people manage their their digital assets and even if i thought like even if it's just a little box you know you call it like mm -hmm. oh that's the smart modem and some you go to somebody's house and they're like what's that I'm like oh that's a smart modem What's it do? Oh, it's responsible for my, the Internet of Things in my smart house. Yeah, I just I feel like it has to be something physical, or it's, mm -hmm. we're never gonna leap into mass adoption. So, could you kind of expand on your Internet of Things project that BankX mm -hmm. is working? Yeah, so we we made this. Uh, uh, so we we took some basically um, uh, software, I think from Alibaba, and uh, that was just has uh, API. And uh, we made uh, prototypes for that on a uh, few prototypes. The main, the main goal, yeah, we connected some. Uh, frankly speaking, I'm not, I don't remember all the, all the details, but uh, 
uh, we I think we have some indicators there. We connected some to Android phones, so there was some like shake temperature, like geo. Uh, uh, so some some things that we can measure and we can connect to the smart contracts and use them in the contract. So there is uh, some famous cases in the supply chain industry where it's used. It's uh, uh, used, for instance, for delivery of uh, uh, some material that is uh, cotton, I believe. Yeah, it's, that could be uh, that is very that could be kept on very like dry area when it's on the on the ships and these guys they uh they connect this to the uh, level humidity and if soon as there is level humidity was going upper than like 90 degrees during one hour while delivery it means the product is done it's not like the quality become lower so that's why the smart contacts like tracking that so uh and uh and this is the important this is part of sla of delivery so this is a service level agreement so it's it's part of the conditions so we 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 did similar thing our our the main goal was to tokenize uh, basically real estate and uh, to introduce the device that gonna count people who come to the real estate uh, to particularly for instance you organizing like the road show you organizing the concert and you uh, don't know for sure how many people come to your you so you you rented the big stadium or like the big room yeah and uh, you expect like uh, maybe 200 people come on average maybe just if nobody come will be 20 but it's going to be at the pack it's going to be 500 yeah so and you don't know for sure the room is expensive and uh, you just right now in the traditional market you are coming to the deal with the landlord that you just paying them a flat fee and they then uh, they basically give you use it whatever you want you so it's your risk but in the new world you can basically uh, come to this real estate guy and say hey, let's make another type of the contract let's i will pay you on pay as you go so i will pay you based on the amount of people who will uh, go to my concert and you will help me to advertise this concert because in this case, I will buy also advertisement from you and you'll put this on the best place in your building. You know where is the best place in your building because you know you own this building. And then uh, when the people come, we, we, we will make, uh, we will may pay automatically uh, like uh, uh, 20 for this room. Uh, yeah, and so in this case, the landlord shares your risk of uh, making this show successful. And this uh, this brings and all this track we were, we were looking for technology to count all those people, and this kind of technology it makes the new type of relationship and it makes basically uh, more sense uh, for some events where you don't have a predictive audience, and uh, landlords start to share your risk, and uh, basically by the end of the days you have more busy uh, real estate, so real estate started to make money. Um, and uh, so this we we IoT was uh, for us this is one of the biggest case for you IoT and uh, our approach we we make some proof of concepts in in the team just to demonstrate to the market that we'll, how we're gonna work with that what we're looking for but for the commercial implementation anyway we are looking for the partner who has already this technology and who gonna come up this technology like uh, scale it because we are not an IoT company, yeah? so we uh, we just uh, kind of uh, inviting those guys to our foundation and want them to become our strategic partners. I have 
I have a, based on what you just said, I have somewhat of a philosophical question. Um, how, like, what you just said was, was, was really interesting in that mm-hmm. it changes the relationship. The technology changes the relationship and it changes mm-hmm. the way people communicate and deals are done and businesses yeah. based on those deals are done. What about this technology is disruptive. Like, what are we disrupting using this technology from previously like traditional levels of communication? What are we What are we really changing by using blockchain? And from that, what type of new relationships can we expect through this disruption? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, obviously, we established the trust. Yeah. So we're establishing something that is, uh, let's say, the same example. Yeah, when somebody come, you make it to the guy and say, "Yeah, I want to kind of uh, let's. I will pay you based on the people who is uh, just coming to their my conference." And then the guy, yeah, but who will count those people? And you're saying, "Yeah, I will count," but uh, there is conflict of interest, internal conflict of interest, because if you count them and then you have to report, you have a very fair person. And uh, you have to report them uh, like all the people and count them like, and then you, of course, you most cases will have argument and the landlord will uh, want to place his agent there as well. So you have two people together staying and counting like independently. And this is, that's why it's uh, become so like crazy and expensive. So nobody doing that. So uh, unless it's like really big, Events. Yeah. And uh, and blockchain, what's happened because blockchain is like decreasing and making uh, both sides are comfortable with kind of those terms when the people can trust the data. So this this makes sense for both sides to kind of rely rely on that. And like uh, another example, like all the banks, like any financial institution, they trust each other. They don't want all the, even the clients, they don't want to their data, personal data be transferred. And that's why the people come to any new window, any new website, any new place and fill the data again, 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 and uh, feeling very comfortable. So they don't have smooth experience. And uh, so what's happened on blockchain, it's obviously there is the way to transfer QIC with uh, public key and private key and uh, the data that is publicly available is just a hash and nobody can get it. But uh, but finally, if it comes uh, to the right place and the the person is uh, wants to share, then he can be disclosed. So it makes uh, the, the your daily experience and your life uh, better and uh, you can basically, it opens the 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 area for many many new relationships that were never kind of uh, executed before so it's a, it's the new economy it's the new the new quality of life so it's uh, there are many many examples so just <laughs> you can come up probably with some <laughs> with some of them yourself yeah i, I can i just i like hearing the i like hearing the, the the kind of the viewpoint of the people who are building this new world or the people who are responsible for trying to push the boundaries of what's currently going on, the motivation for why you're doing what you're doing and kind of how you see the world. I think that's important for people to understand as they listen to something like this. 
Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, from Stanford, by the way. We in Stanford, we had this uh, in business school. We had uh, this uh, motto: "It's uh, change li- lives, change organization, change the world." And they they basically it's three type of changes. So first, you change your life and little life of some community around you. Then you change some big organization, and finally you're trying to change the whole world. And so this is the many people who like big entrepreneurs who come from Stanford. They like following this. We have a Nike Nike founder. We have Capital One Bank founder. So those people they really like perceived some like highest level of change. That's awesome you say that. Reminds me of a African proverb that I won't say because it's very long. But what I will do. <laughs> what I will do is you're at the beginning. Ask you, you will. You will. It's very long, but. Um, what I will do is ask you our last question. It's kind of a toughie. I hope you're ready for it, Igor. But I think you think you're knocking out of the ballpark. Uh, in 10 words or less, can you describe blockchain? Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's part of the speculative question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope that in 10 years, uh, it uh, will get uh, all the problems solved with our uh, SLA, with commercial traction and scalability. And uh, one of the, well, like, uh, probably they will be kind of uh, like similar to the situation will stabilize and they will be, will go for the evolution similar to uh, what was going on with mobile uh, adoption and uh, mobile network. When one standard was adopted globally and then come up another standard was adopted like uh, to 2G, 3G, LTE, like all those things. And the people will basically, uh, so the whole industry will be uh, updated and all the people will enjoy the new kind of quality and they will be, uh, so uh, the, the broadband, so I mean the core blockchain problem as soon as it's already will be solved, it's not be, it's probably will be controlled by a few big players. And uh, they already will be kind of standardized, and uh, their margins will go down. But it will be like a very big companies, and this will be more about less uh, particular consensus algorithm or blockchain, but more about the application layer and what the things could be done there. Whatever decentralized search, decentralized uh, billing of the uh, mobile networks. Uh, or exploring all those new type of relationship and contracts that's going to be there. So many, many cool things. And uh, so it's, it's, it's will be kind of the very, very, very cool area when everybody will be uh, engaged and just was looking for, and uh, basically there most of those small companies and startups that will be doing this right now, they're still, I think they're doing this like different mobile applications or different like use your sites and they're going to do like some blockchain projects and uh, and uh, test them right away in their communities and early adopters going to be crypto community and then the whole the whole community going to uh, adapt that for because uh, m- many things will be already implemented and supported so i think you just answered the question 10 years or less and the question that we wanted you to answer was 10 words or less so well i'm really happy that you answered that that was that was a fantastic answer and it's something that i think i might start asking people because it gives this bird's eye view of what people see in the future but if you were to try and 
package that up in the 10 words or less, can you describe blockchain? Yeah, and well, okay, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I'm uh, English not first language. So <laughs> it's a great answer. I, I, I'm, really, I'm really happy <laughs> no, that you did that. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, was, right he was thinking, why, why it's more than two words? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, uh, yeah, so, uh, so 10 words, okay, small. Okay, okay. Uh, let me think. So, mm, so I like I like the world. It's gonna be uh, the whole economy, the whole new economy operational system. So uh, and uh, blockchain will be kind of uh, the uh, the core of this operational system. We perceive ourselves as banks as the middleware of this operational system for banks, and there will be many great uh, kind of uh, continue this stack to their end clients and to the application of the real world. So uh, Ethereum is like kind of the core or maybe uh, some other systems that will add to Ethereum and uh, and then some guys like us like on the next level and finally the uh, the people and finally some uh, last mile infrastructure that just serving people and making mm -hmm. them last applications. So it will be, uh, yeah, it will be the way that they think and the people think about. Uh, it will be the part of any kind of industry, and the people will, uh, I believe, they should, they will be educated some principles of that in economics and in law, in journalism, so like in all those universities, because they will be linked and they will, they will have like a big part of the industry is connected to that and very closely uh, integrated. All right. So the second time you truncated it down from about 500 words to 350. So <laughs> uh, you're kidding there. Oh, uh, man. It's all good. It's yeah. a very tough question, but we like asking it because, um, you know, it's, it's yeah, it, it, like, okay, two words. It's going to be a life operational system. Okay. <laughs> 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 Exponential decay. I like it. Yeah. Like it. Um, well, Igor, thank you very much for stopping by. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you for your time. And I, I, I enjoyed because you're really like drilling these things and like uh, thinking about my answers. And <laughs> we are, yeah. we, we love the technology. We do this because we love it. This is a passion project for us. And uh, yeah. we, we like the kind of work that you're doing. So, Please keep going. Please keep helping push the boundary of what's going on and making the systems that um, enable our lives to be more convenient. So make these systems better for everyone. So I like, keep going. Yeah. yeah, thank you. And uh, just say if, if we can uh, in some way support you or like uh, collaborate with you, send information to us and to David, we'll be happy to. Sounds great. Thanks a lot.
have a lot of uh, awesome sponsors that we're going to tell you about. Support for today's show comes from bookmaker.eu. Now it's March Madness time. Bookmaker is a premier sports book service in the U.S. for over 30 years, provides all your sports betting needs. So they're, they're taking all of those years of experience and they're pivoting the crypto. Hence why you're hearing about them. So you can make your college basketball picks with Bitcoin today at bookmaker.eu slash Bitcoin podcast. That's right. We got our own URL. So you can rest assured, dear listeners, depositing with Bitcoin's fast, easy, and simple. And over 90% of bettors use Bitcoin to fund their bookmaker accounts and receive their winnings. They offer live in-progress betting on every major sporting event, which allows you to wager on the game uninterrupted from tip-off until final whistle. Visit bookmaker.eu slash Bitcoin podcast today. Sign up and claim your exclusive 100% welcome bonus. That's up to $300, people. Bookmaker.eu slash Bitcoin podcast to claim that 100% welcome bonus when you make your first deposit in either Bitcoin or fiat. This episode is also supported by Horizon Communications. Countries around the world have been plagued with below-par internet and telecommunication services. D actually interviewed them, and we're going to see an announcement pretty soon so you can hear even more. Um, but the reason why that those plagues are happening is due to aging equipment, expensive to install infrastructure, and national disasters. Horizon has announced the launch of the pre-sale. The company plans to first roll out high-speed internet and cellular service in the Caribbean and Central America and the token generation event issues the Horizon token. And they see a potential of 125 million US after the first four years of operation. So that's a pretty big deal. Uh, so, you, you know, you get a number of benefits. You know, you pay for services with the token, you get access to enterprise level services and support, and a quarterly dividend paid in Ethereum. So, this was conceived by a veteran information technologist. D interviewed him. His name is Gilbert Darrell. And uh, the rest of the team is pretty strong as well. So uh, 10 million tokens are available for the sale and a discount of up to 60%. So to participate, interested investors are encouraged to visit the official website at horizon.com.co. And this episode is brought to you also by trade.io, a next generation of blockchain that based financial exchange. We here at the podcast only promote the most valid of projects. And let's tell you the board and advisory team at trade.io comprise of high level executives and professionals from the worlds of Wall Street, banking, and blockchain. Trade.io thanks its loyal participants for contributing over $31 million for its ICO. The crypto community have asked them for an industry-leading crypto exchange made by crypto traders for crypto traders. No more waiting for account verification. No more interruptions of services during peak trading times. No more frustrating interfaces. Partner with some of the most highly reputable organizations and exchanges in blockchain. Their team promises a fast, efficient, and safe experience buying and selling cryptos on their exchange. You can be the first to experience it by signing up to trade.io slash sign up. Join the trading revolution. And last but not least, mycrypto.com. Mycrypto is an open source client-side tool for generating Ether wallets, handling ERC-20 tokens, interacting with Ethereum blockchain more easily. You can send a support ticket to support at mycrypto.com if you have any questions. Since 2015, they're focused on building awesome products that put the power in people's hands. Visit mycrypto.com, or you can follow them on Twitter at mycrypto. How's that, D? It's a lot of ads. Yeah, when you smash them all together. But guess what? We're also, uh, we got some dates that we're going to be at. D and his Block Edge cohorts 
are going to be at the Draper University Blockchain Intensive Boot Camp. And we're finding there's a huge audience interested in cryptocurrencies, but those people find it hard to invest in. And for that, coinseed.co, draperuniversity.com. We're also going to be Blockchain National Conference, an event organized by a bunch of journalists, Damon John from Shark Tank, John McAfee. Uh, That's April 25th through the 26th at bcnation.com slash home. Anything you want to add? I got nothing. Thank you guys Uh, for listening. Thanks so much. This is a good episode. We got uh, Trek from Trek Consulting and Taylor from My Crypto. As always, find us at the BTC Podcast on Twitter and um, join our Slack. It's a good time.